Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of 321 Go Podcast. We're joined by Carl Powley this week, and this is the second episode I've done with Carl. This guy always surprises me is not the right word. I, I always leave an interview with Carl just feeling energized and empowered. And admittedly, I went into this episode having a, a laundry list of things that I wanted to talk to Carl about. But in in true Carl fashion, uh, he sort of weaved this interview into something that I was not expecting. And it was a, was a pleasant surprise. We opened the show talking about Carl's history, growing up in Spain, and then moving back to San Francisco, making a career change. Carl shares with us uh, a, re- a recent pivot that he made with Freestyle Connection a couple years ago and what that pivot meant for his business, his finances, and his personal life. And then we sort of wrap up the show giving some practical advice on how you can learn from Carl and some of the content that he creates and this sort of brand and attention to detail that he has. Uh, about three-fourths of the way through the show, Carl gives uh, our listening audience an incredible offer, so stick around for that. I highly encourage you to take Carl up on his offer. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this show, leave us a review, and shoot me an email. Let me know who you'd like to see on this show because I have a blast doing it, especially when I get to talk to guys like Carl. Enjoy this week's show, and I'll see you next week. All right. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of 321 Go Podcast. We're actually joined by a repeat guest, and uh, Carl Powley is with us. Uh, welcome, Carl. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, I'm pumped to be here again and uh, talking to you about whatever it is that will come our way. So I was, as I was emailing, as you said, your wife and your boss, I was emailing with her arranging this, and it kind of prompted me to go back and listen to our first episode. And it, it was almost two years ago that we did that. We were in Park City, and I started to re- recall recording this episode, and I remember you and I were in the back of a rental car recording out of a trunk so this- yes <laughs> that was awesome though i actually that was one of the, the the best interviews i think i've had because uh it was so casual it was uh um we had such a great day that day right it yes. was awesome we had just been playing football in that field we had that awesome weekend in park city uh yeah that was a great session it i it was a blast it was it was super random so i'm stoked to have you back on the show again carl as i was doing some research i realized that i kind of know your origin story um you grew up in spain correct that's correct so i don't think that it's i've really seen documented kind of that full story so you're born in the u.s moved to spain fill in the gaps for us yeah, uh, Swedish parents. My parents moved to the U.S. in the early 80s, uh, late 70s. I was born in 82 in California, um, spent a couple years here, ended up going to Ecuador for a little bit, and then from Ecuador we went to Spain, and we went there for my my dad's job. And there I went to school, did gymnastics, did the whole thing, went through college, uh, spent a little time in Singapore, and then decided to move back to the U.S. to see what was uh, back home. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's uh, 
13 years ago uh, now, and uh, I was supposed to be here just for a couple months and ended up staying. That's cool, man. Got did you married, had a kid, the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> did, did you uh, grow up bilingual then? Yeah, so I, I guess the first language I spoke at home was Swedish, but around me as a kid, it was English. And then as I moved to Spain, it became Spanish, and especially because uh, I spoke Spanish at school, at gymnastics, uh, with friends. And English was there. It just wasn't that good. And uh, I've actually told this story a couple of times, but when I moved here in 2004, what people don't realize is that my English was so broken and so bad that when I had to call for service, like if I had to get my phone or uh, call, you know, the cable company, whatever it was, I would have to press two for Spanish. Uh, just because I couldn't understand what they were saying. I love that. Press two for Spanish. <laughs> so yeah. what? You could actually, I think, yeah, you've got a fallback career. There you go. <laughs> Carl, what part of Spain did you grow up in? I grew up in a city called Alicante in uh, La Costa Blanca. And it's south of Valencia, Barcelona, so on that the east coast of uh, of Spain, uh, right on the Mediterranean. It's uh, it's an awesome place. I I didn't appreciate it while I was there. I thought it was you know this terrible country, but it, I love going back, and it, it's it's truly beautiful. And your involvement in gymnastics how did, how did that come about? Well. I originally got into gymnastics because my mom put me into a gymnastics program that was part of this after-school uh, program that my uh, my uh, uh, school had that I was going to as a kid, and uh, it was recreational gymnastics, non-competitive. It was just um, you know go in there, free for all kind of thing. And eventually, I got pretty good uh, within that group and. One of the coaches at the local clubs noticed me and basically recruited me to come and join their club. And that's how I uh, started really getting into it. And that's when I learned about the Olympics and all of these things. So speaking of coaching now, because this is an interesting thing that I, I've realized exists in the gymnastics world, is these coaches have this uncanny ability to recognize uh, almost genetic components of their athletes so early on. And I don't know if that exists only in gymnastics, but did you notice that as you were kind of coming up in the gymnastics world? Yeah, I noticed that I was not a gymnast. <laughs> um, uh, I was a crappy gymnast. Uh, no, I wasn't that crappy. I was pretty good. I worked really hard. Uh, I understood it, but I just wasn't the gymnast prototype and i think what you're saying is true for every sport i think there's this this type that uh is designed for gymnastics designed for weightlifting designed for running uh different types of running and and when you find those people you you just kind of uh, um you, you can see that they fit this mold so yeah there's definitely that uh, component to it. There is, there's that, which is the physical expression and underlying that I guess is the genetics that you're talking about. Mm. So physical expression from what I understand as, as gymnasts become more and more competitive, it's the skills that you acquire and the way that you acquire them 
are very sequential and very regimented. I, I don't know. Is that would you say that that's the cor- correct way to frame one learning gymnastics as just this very structured sort of hierarchy of movement? Yeah, uh, there's definitely a structure. I mean, gymnastics has been around for a long time, and if if you just go and uh, uh, acquire the the code of gymnastics, which is a book that tells you all the elements that are currently uh, regulated and uh, the point system behind it, you you'll realize that there's a whole sequence of things leading up to these movements, and that they're kind of tied in, and each one of those movements has a specific progression, and it's important to realize that yes, there is a sequence to everything and there's a progression to everything, but there's multiple lanes that you have to cover strength, flexibility, technique, whatever. And there's also the ability that you have as an individual to play the game because uh, it's important to note that the level of difficulty of certain movements is important. And you may not be able to do uh, a double backflip, but you can do a double front flip, and maybe it's worth the same uh, amount of uh, points, basically, in competition, or you know, whatever it may be, a press to handstand versus an iron cross on the rings. Those are also uh, two elements, I believe, are still worth the same uh, value. So maybe you can do one thing, but you can't do the other. Uh, everyone gets to choose their battles kind of thing, and uh, whoever plays the most beautiful game wins. So I, I had an intern, and the reason I kind of wanted to frame this question, uh, talking about your history of learning gymnastics, I, I recently had an intern that attended one of your seminars, and she came back from it sort of describing, you know, you and I have had conversations, and I've seen you present several times. So uh, you have this way of explaining movement that looks sort of more like, it looks more like string theory than <laughs> progression. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's how she came away from this saying, oh, you know, a pistol isn't a pistol. You know, a, you know, a pistol is an air squad or a pistol is getting up off the ground with one foot. That You know, this idea, this very connected understanding of movement. Now, so I'm curious, you have this gymnastics background, which feels very sequential um, mm-hmm. point systems, and now you've developed this your own movement philosophy, which is so interconnected and, and almost circular. I guess is that is that a a is that a fair assumption? And b how did you arrive at the place you are now from where you started? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I guess I I teach woo woo science. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's 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 hard to explain in a, a very kind of short sentence, but yes, it is string uh, science. It is string theory of movement, and it is circular. And I believe that uh, progression is not linear. It is actually circular, and it's a, a circle that's kind of drawn in a regressive form. You're, you're you're drawing it counterclockwise. So when you complete that circle, that is a full cycle and that cycle now can roll forward. I don't know if that uh, paints an image to you or not, but that's kind of how I see it. And the truth is that we don't all learn the same. We're, We're different types of learners. And when I talk about movement, I am trying to tap into the individual, their basic needs, uh, and through their needs, really tap into where their strengths are. 
whether it's mental, emotional, physical, whatever it may be, and use that as a starting point. You know, uh, so many people talk about work on your weaknesses, and I'm like, I don't know if I can swear here, but F your weaknesses. You know, it's like, let's work on your strengths. Like, use what you have. Work with what you got. And when you start working with what you got, really cool things start to happen. And sometimes, you know what? They don't look like gymnastics, artistic gymnastics, like the sport, and that's okay. So that's kind of where my approach to movement comes from, where I almost was frustrated with myself and really disappointed that I didn't make it to the Olympics, that I wasn't the best gymnast, although I worked really hard. I thought about this the whole time, and for some reason, I couldn't get it. And I, and I wondered why, like, how is that possible? And that's where it kind of started. And, and, and honestly, it was thanks to CrossFit eventually that really brought this theory of we are a freestyle strength and conditioning program that is taking pride in being uh, inclusive and welcoming everyone. And the truth is artistic gymnastics does not welcome everyone. It's elitist. It's disgusting at times. And it sickens me uh, sometimes to hear some coaches in the gymnastics world because I'm like, yes, you are right. Yes, it makes sense what you're saying. But it doesn't have to be like that. And especially if you're complaining about not having fans watching you compete and, and, and struggling to get money and funds, like what's going on? Include more people. Mm. And I think that's where I come from. That's the long Long version. No, I loved. I love that approach, Carl. You had mentioned something I think that is really profound. Uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are um, entrepreneurs and coaches, and mm-hmm. you said something in there: "F your weaknesses." And yeah, you can cuss. So fuck your weaknesses. Uh, awesome. We'll do. Uh, that's really interesting to me because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you went. So you went to school in Spain for something completely unrelated to sport, athletic, and coaching, right? Yeah, I, I studied environmental science. I specialized in genetic engineering and then eventually uh, branched out into marine biology and totally different than what I'm doing now. But what I learned during those years were super valuable. And so did you did you make an attempt at a career in marine biology? Yes, and it's when I discovered that I had to write grants for the rest of my life in order to continue doing what I wanted to do that really pushed me away from it. (laughs) A a lot of our listeners um, may find themselves at a spot right now, and and I really want to hear your perspective on this. I think a lot of our listeners are finding themselves at a spot where maybe they have a company or they own a gym or they're uh, an entrepreneur, and they have a job with steady income and you know health benefits and things like that but they feel pulled away from that but they feel in this example they feel like they should spend time writing grants and and their sort of passion their mm-hmm. strength be this thing in the background talk to us a little bit about that experience of realizing i don't want to do this but i'm going to make a leap over here for something else yeah that's such a hard one because I almost feel like um, I want to go up to those people and say, you know what? Everything that you're worried about, it doesn't matter. They don't really care that much. It's not that big of a deal. 
just go for it. And what's the worst case scenario? You're going to end up under a bridge or dead. Seriously, yeah. that's what's going to happen. And, and, and you're worried that something bad is going to happen to you. And yes, this is possible. But the truth is, uh, just like they say, you know, pressure, uh, diamonds are made under pressure. Uh, that pressure is really healthy. And I'll tell you a really personal story, um, which is it's personal, but I'm willing to share. It's uh, just uh, rewind four years from now. And uh, here's Carl uh, excited about life. He's he's doing well as a, a businessman and doing well as a teacher and financially uh, stable and getting all these opportunities. And then, uh, you know, kind of at the top of my game within the fitness industry and the CrossFit thing and going and trending in the right direction. And all of a sudden I realize I'm not happy. I just don't like what's happening. My bank account is full. Uh, you know, everything is great. I'm getting all these deals. And I realize I just don't feel content. I'm, I, it doesn't feel meaningful. So I opted to cut all those ties that were weighing me down to become free and do what I wanted to do and really exercise my strengths. Fast forward uh, a couple of years, all of a sudden my bank account is at empty. I'm using credit cards. I'm, I owe taxes. I mean, you name it. I am broke. And I actually have an accountant who's like, you know what? You should just file for bankruptcy. Call it. It's done. You're over. Done. And this is super recent. And as all this is happening, I'm becoming a foster parent. I eventually adopt uh, and my wife and I become parents. So all of a sudden, all of these things, the struggle of being a new parent, um, just getting married, uh, breaking all these ties in, 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 in my business that uh, brought me basically down to zero and negative, and now having to rebuild from there, that's hard. And it's confusing and it's crazy. But it's that kind of struggle that when you go for it, you have no other option but to create the next step. And if you stop moving, you're dead. And that's just how it goes. You may have your support with friends, family, whatever, but it's up to you. And I am so glad I took that risk looking back right now. And things are not perfect, but they're really good. And they're really good because... I tried and I continue to try every day to just do the thing that's in my head, in my heart, and and try to make it a reality. That's what it is. And it feels great. Carl, do you find it an important exercise in your life to – and just let me say I really appreciate you sharing that story. I think that our audience is full of people experiencing something very similar right now. And are maybe ashamed to admit that they are in the middle of risk and that they don't know what to do and they're maybe on their last leg. So I think to hear that from you is so powerful. I think that's a very powerful word in people's lives. So I, I really appreciate you for that. Um, is Do you find it important in your life to put yourself in situations where you're forced to move forward? 
It's funny you say that because when when I teach uh, movement, for example, my goal is to set a standard that forces you, quote unquote, uh, forces you to move forward, forces you to make the best decision. And the way I create that environment is simply through experience, past experience. I know where they are going and I'm just using creative ways of setting that standard. So yeah, I do put myself in that position. And um, even just yesterday, I, I did a little Instagram story rant where I was expressing my frustration of, of being pinned as the muscle up guy, you know, the gymnastics guy, the CrossFit guy. And how I've struggled with being pinned with that. But the truth is, I'm so thankful I was pinned with that because that means that I did something. I was forced to do something uh, bigger than just that. And to get me moving in a way, uh, and and this is not just moving physically, moving emotionally, moving mentally uh, towards the next thing. And uh, yeah, setting that kind of standard, putting yourself in, in hard positions makes you uh, make some hard uh, decisions and ultimately get really great answers out of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really struck by, and I wrote this down, um, what you said. You said, what's the worst could happen? You end up under a bridge or you end up dead. Well, we all know that Fifty percent of that scenario will absolutely happen. Undoubtedly, will will die. So I uh, I love this idea because this is actually this is something my wife introduced to me. Anytime I would bring home these frustrations or complaints or I don't know what my next step is, that's an exercise that she routinely puts me through. What is the worst case scenario in this situation? Uh, describe to me how you process through is that something you routinely ask yourself what is the worst thing that could happen uh no because if you if you look in that direction you're gonna go in that direction Mm. you know what i mean it's like look where you want to go not where you don't want to go i like that um so then talk to us about that that you know you said four years ago you kind of found yourself at this point where you were uh you know, successful, I think the world would look at you and say, wow, Carl's got it all together. Like, I want to, I want to mimic what he's got going on. And I think you actually saw, I mean, I do believe that imitation is the best form of flattery. I think you saw a lot of people in our industry replicating the things that you were doing, assuming that it would lead to the happiness and success that people sort of projected onto you. Um, but yet you made this pivot. Uh, mm-hmm. So the pivot occurred. Happiness is, is a part of it. Uh, I, I definitely feel that from you. What other reasons exist for a, an entrepreneur to, to make some sort of pivot or change? You have more to offer. Mm-hmm. And when you have more to offer, it's your duty to do that. And until you do that, it's not over. Mm. And, and I hope that this this more, whatever I have more inside of me, is going to keep going for a long time because I just feel like I'm packed with information. I am packed with knowledge, and I have the talent, and I'm the man. Like, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm the man. On the other hand, uh, I know I'm a super sensitive guy. I'm an emotional guy. 
Uh, I'm a caring guy. I, I'm a guy who just wants to be a part of something and grow. So there's this like fierce lion inside of me. Um, but at the same time, I'm just, I guess, I guess I'm just, I, I'm a loving kind of guy, you know? Um, but that's that kind of, uh, two headed snake almost. That's, that's the, that's the, the, the beauty of this whole thing. I feel like I can reach so much further. I can, I can see so much more. And unless I start acting on it daily, uh, it's not going to happen. And, and, and I guess that's what really drives me. Um, I, so Carl, yeah. I want to put a pin in that acting on things daily. Cause that's a very interesting topic I want to get into. I want to take a moment and revisit some history. So you go to school in in Spain. You come back to San Francisco. When did you enter into um, – so I guess describe that point. So you made the transition from marine biology, and now you, you become sort of Carl the coach. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to us about that time in your life a little bit. Where did you – where did you land? Where did you start coaching? And when did you sort of find a groove as a, sort of finding identity in that? Well, you know where I started finding identity in that was when I started coaching at a gym called Acro Sports here in San Francisco. And I started teaching kids and I, I didn't speak English very good, <laughs> very well. <laughs> and let me teach you how to speak good. <laughs> Uh, I, I couldn't speak English very well, and uh, all I knew was how to do gymnastics, and I had the best audience, the audience that would think I was the coolest no matter what I did, and that's this group of kids, and funny enough, I actually just saw a post that popped up on my little memories on, on Facebook from one of my students from two years ago when he made it into uh college and he's like so thanks for so so thankful for Carl Powley the smartest the most talented coach of all time I was like oh my god he's still so naive he doesn't realize I don't I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> but anyway so I basically had the best best audience in the world and you know what I started doing I just started talking about what I was doing and uh what that really means is if I did a headstand I'll be like Put your head on the ground, put your hands on the ground, lift your hips up, put one knee on one elbow kind of thing. And all I would do was describing what I was seeing. And I realized that my coaching ability was my ability to describe things. And when you describe things, you are simply bringing and shedding light to what is in front of us all. And that alone, such a simple thing is the essence to awareness and awareness to presence and presence to be able to make a decision and accepting and respecting what is and now using what you have to make a decision and take the next step. Describe what's in front of you. That's when I realized I had something special and it was so simple. Where did that, mm, a thought that I've been really kind of playing around with lately and trying to sort of flesh out is, this idea of like entrepreneurship, let's say, what are there genetic traits that allow people to be good at this? Or can you learn some of these things? And I, I think it's a combination of the two. But one of these traits that I'm, I'm sort of finding in these people that 
I, I view as successful, not necessarily, you know, monetarily successful, but I just think people that have a little juice, for lack of a better term, and they're they're moving, they have momentum and movement. Um, it, it's their ability to take a large thing, like let's take the example of a headstand, and what does your elbow do at what time? That ability to sort of see something, filter it all out into its individual components, and then rebuild that thing. And when you described teaching the headstand, that's all I. That's kind of what I thought about. And so I'm wondering. Is your does your brain always kind of work that way, or is that something that you learned from schooling, learned from your parents? Where where does that where does that come from? My brain has always worked that way, and that's why when earlier I I may have sounded uh, overly confident, saying I have the talent, I am the man. All I'm saying is I know where I'm going, mm-hmm. and I'm walking that walk right now, and. I, I kind of like to say it like this. Imagine you're walking down the street. Okay, it's a beautifully paved uh, sidewalk, super safe. Walking straight is not a big deal. You can be on your phone. You can look up. You can look around. But now if all of a sudden you're walking on uh, the ledge of this you know, big cliff, is your walk going to be the same? Are you going to be uh, as distracted and comfortable looking at your phone and all these things? Probably not. You're going to be a little bit more aware. Uh, and most likely, you will be too scared to do something else but to focus on your walk. I think being in business and really trying to grow your uh, company as an entrepreneur um, it's being able to walk that ledge like you're walking down this beautifully paved or beautiful sand beach. You know, everyone looks at him. They're like, oh, my God, look at him. He's just walking down the beach. You're like, no, I'm on the edge of the cliff, motherfucker. <laughs> you just don't know. I'm making it look easy. <laughs> I think that is probably the best image of the of entrepreneurship, uh, of entrepreneurship, of, of leadership, of building a brand is like, no shit, this is actually kind of scary, man. There's a ledge right here. I got to pay attention. Yeah. You know how I many, every day I get people questioning me and they question you every day and they ask you questions like, so what are you doing this for? I was like, I don't fucking know, but it feels right. So I'm going to do it. Mm. And maybe it's wrong right now, but what I am learning from that process is super valuable, and I need those reps. Mm. You know, you need to do the reps. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I, th- we're on to something good here. I like this idea of getting in the reps because prior to getting in the reps, things are, are scary and freaky, I feel like. You know, it's a new mm-hmm. thing. Uh, you know, I, I hear this all the time. It's the first time somebody comes in to join a CrossFit gym, they're super freaked out about it, not because it should is a scary thing, but because it's a new thing and they don't have the reps. Yeah. After they've walked in the door like eight times, it's no big deal. They know where to put their bag. They know they've got their sort of habit in place. So mm-hmm. um, I want to start here. You, you have uh, written a book, Freestyle Connection, that was on the New York Times bestseller list. And writing a book to me, it just sounds – I have friends who are writers, and they, they do this professionally. And I ask them, I go, you know, how, what if you're not feeling inspired? Like, what are you – and they're like, nope, it has nothing to do with that. It's you wake up, you have your daily habits, and you get in your reps. That's how you finish a book. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So I would like to hear from you about getting in the reps. It, it can be as it relates to your book. It can be as it relates to anything else in your career. But just kind of talk to me about waking up every day and getting in your reps. Right now, uh, you and I got on this uh, podcast at 9 a.m., and I'm doing reps right now. Every question you ask me, everything that you're saying, I'm thinking about, and I'm trying to give you answers that make sense, that people can relate to, that people can use and and maybe be inspired by, maybe uh, use it as a practical approach to something Uh, I'm doing reps right now and in business, in coaching, in progression, uh, every rep counts, every rep counts and every word you say, every step you take, becoming aware of those, those are the reps and if you know how to connect each step with your purpose, your goal, then you're going in the right direction and I think that's what allows you to accumulate the volume, seeing in context, feeling in context, uh, finding a practical uh, approach and solution in context. That is everything. It's almost like, uh, what am I trying to say? You have a a really good presence, Carl, in so much as, like you said, these answers matter. And it's not just it to me, it doesn't feel like, hey, this is an interview where I'm answering questions, you know, because, you know, this show needs a guest. Carl's a guest. It's no, Mm -hmm. I'm practicing communicating a philosophy. And I think when you get on a super granular level, us as you know, let's say that listener, you own a gym or listener, you are a coach or listener, you have an online fitness product. Every conversation about that thing is an opportunity to practice and get in reps of communicating the value that you provide to the world. Is Am I hearing that from you correctly, Carl? 100%. And this is the beauty. It's you and I, we're not that special, you know? But at the same time, we are those beautiful, unique little snowflakes. <laughs> right? This is a very trendy thing today in politics. Uh, but... I think you know what I'm talking about. We are special. We all have our unique experiences. And as much as we're not special, we are. And being able to tap into that part of being special, being original, is where now you can create your unique expression of your brand, your business, your style, your techniques, your methods, whatever it is you care about by simply inserting yourself, not your ego, yourself, the essence of who you really are, what you really care about, and really allowing that positive intent that we know that everyone has, but sometimes doesn't you know, shine through, letting that positive intent shine through all the way. And if it gets hard, fucking suck it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that hard piece, that's what's going to really allow it to materialize on the other end, whether it's financial gain, whether it's uh, getting more clients, whether it's being able to really see the results that you want. Maybe it's cleanliness, presentation, connection with other businesses, connection with whatever it may be. Just allow your uniqueness to shine through. And if you ruffle some feathers, that's fine. That's okay, too. Carl, I want to give you a compliment here because you you said the word the essence of you. I 
it's it's weird. I don't know if this is intentional on your part or not, but I if your book was sitting across the room or your website, if I like caught a glimpse of one of your websites out of the corner of my eye, I it, it's it just oozes Carl. I don't even need to see who the author of that is. Like your your font, your your filters, your uh, your voice. Like these things are super pervasive in everything that you do. And I don't know if you're. Some people might call this branding. Um, I think it goes a little bit beyond that. But I don't know if this is a conscious thing of yours. But I think our listeners are probably nodding their head right now, and they're like. Oh, yes, I know something from Carl the second I see it without even knowing that it's from Carl. So I I guess and I think that's important for a business owner or entrepreneur to be able to do is have this genuine self come through in their font as something as ridiculous as a font. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Um, So talk to us a little bit about that. Is this something you consciously do? Well, yes, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit when it started. Uh, it started in my gymnastics days uh, when I was 17. I wanted to start a t-shirt company, and I talked to my sister-in-law who was a graphic designer, and she she kind of helped me put together some stuff. And it was it was an interesting process. And fast forward a couple years, uh, I started a couple businesses. They they all failed, <laughs> but but the, the the intention was there, and then eventually. I, I uh, started Gymnastics Wad with uh, a friend here in San Francisco, and I didn't worry about the font. I just was like, just do whatever you have to do to get this website up, and he did. And after a few months, I was like, dude, I don't know. I, I'm not feeling this. This is just not me, you know? And he's like, well, don't look at it. And I was like, but this is my thing, the thing that I love, and I want to be proud of it. He's like, doesn't matter. Don't look at it. Uh, and and uh, although he was really good at marketing business and, and web design, I, I was so inspired by this. And, and without him, I would have never been able to uh, do what I did back in the day in the CrossFit community and make the impact that I made. But it was when I transitioned into freestyle and really started uh, thinking about the aesthetic as something that really comes first. Uh, things started to change, and all of a sudden, I I, uh, I started working with my co-author, who uh, hooked me up with two awesome designers. And these designers, we went through months and months and months of trying to figure out what is the best font, what is the best type that we uh, need for this book, so people see it and just say, "This is freestyle," and something that reads well, feels well, gives you space. Uh, and resonates. And uh, we got there. We got there. And that's what you see on the cover of Freestyle. That's what you see inside of Freestyle. And it is really powerful because your physical presentation of who you are, what you believe in, is a lot of times people's first impression. And it's not the last, but it is part of the impression. And when you show alignment from that physical presentation to what is inside and the value that you're really providing, now people are starting to engage at a way higher level. And they want to be part of it because it looks cool, it feels cool. But what's really awesome is when they actually become part of it, they realize that that coolness is just a feeling. It's like this feeling of, 
I belong. This is this this feels right. Like I want to do it. I still see that there's potential. There's just so much more to it, and that's the beauty. Mm. Yeah. So it's uh yes, branding in terms of presentation aesthetics, uh, having a style guide. Yes, yes, yes. And that attention to detail. I love that because I think there's a lot to be said about small details. We we've been exploring this idea lately that um, you really only need to be 1% better. You know what I mean? Just like that constant pursuit of 1% improvement. And that's kind of what I hear you saying when it comes mm -hmm. to this presentation. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, no doubt about it. So, Carl, let's let's go here. Um, I, I, I normally only ask this of people when we're recording and I can see their whiteboards in the background. I, mm. I love people's process. So um, you've got a lot of things written out. Just the, you know, w we see a lot of whiteboards around with just like big ideas broken down. And I'm just kind of curious. I want to hear about your creative process. How does something go from your brain to a, a product that somebody will either view or consume or purchase how how does that look like for you well uh, there are two two aspects one is is your vision is whatever it is you see whatever excites you i mean um i used to play with gi joes as a kid where i would put the gi joe like in a t-shape with their legs together straight legs and arms out and i would put the gi joe flat on my hand and I would throw the G.I. Joe up and I would see how many times it would flip, how many times it would spin. And I always thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have this little thing that you could train your eye as a coach to be able to see these movements? <laughs> it's just <laughs> stupid stuff like that, right? <laughs> which is crazy, which eventually led to, well, what if I uh, use the technology that's already embedded in an iPhone and have that? in my pocket. So when I do a backflip on the trampoline, it tells me backflip unlocked, mm -hmm. you yep. know, progression of the backflip unlocked, uh, whatever trick unlocked kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's one aspect of, of things. Then the, 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 the true aspect of creating and being an innovator is when you become present, uh, and you start listening, mm -hmm. you become an effective listener, and you really start hearing what people need, not what you want to give them, not what you think they need, but what they actually need, and you meet their needs at that level that people start appreciating. And then adding your own touch and spin to that is what makes it relevant. And who cares if it's one or a thousand? You're doing it. And that is the process. And then what what brings change, what brings evolution is being able to, and this is the artistry of it, it's being able to use what is really going through you at the time and making that relevant to your business. And I'll, I'll share one thing that's happening right now with me. I just got back from Asia. I had this awesome trip. Um, it was work. It was all work, but I, I loved it. I enjoyed every second. It was just so awesome. I just felt so good. And when I when I landed in San Francisco, I was, I was so happy to be back. And although I had been working my ass off for 18 days on the road, I was just ready to hit the ground running. And one of the reasons was because I was thinking about my grandfather who had uh, just passed away. 
And one of the things that he uh, used to tell me was if if I said uh, something was wrong and, and you'd be like, oh, sorry to hear that. I was like, yeah, don't worry. It'll work itself out. He's like, no, you have to work it out. It's not going to work itself out. You need to work it out. And I was like, fuck, that's true. I, I need to do the job. And that's been, you know, on the forefront lately. It's you work it out. You solve the problem and things will start to happen. And it's a great thing to have. And it's really changing everything that I'm doing right now. And the other thing is uh, appreciating and being thankful for what you have. You know, um, I have a book. Work with it. You're a New York Times bestselling author. Work with that. Whether you like that or not, you have it. Do something about it. And whatever it is you have, work with it and make it an asset. Make it a valuable asset to your business. Make it a valuable asset to your life. And all of a sudden, you start seeing how people respond. They don't react. They respond. They actually engage. And then just go with that. And what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up in the same place you were before. You're going to have these fantastic ideas like my G.I. Joe flipping, you know, coaching, seeing trick thing versus uh, also hearing what people need now because they're ready for the next level of you, of your business, of your brand. And that's how you do it, I think. So I see you, Carl, as just this constantly evolving person, coach, uh, figure, role model, right? And you, you talk about, hey, it will not work itself out. You work itself out. Uh, another thing you mentioned is meeting, you know, meeting people's needs. Are you speaking to people? Are they uh, responding to what you're doing? And I'm curious because you had mentioned, you know, you felt pigeonholed as, you know, I don't want to be the muscle up guy, right? I, I have mm-hmm. more than that. And I think that there are people and coaches that come to your seminars and they come to your seminars thinking that you will give them the magic muscle up pill. I'm mm-hmm. positive there are attendees that feel that. And I'm sure you get people coming up to you afterwards. Carl, tell me the one thing that I need to do this. But I think people leave those seminars with something else. And that something else is a language and understanding and eye for movement that they almost have forgotten about the muscle up. In a way, that's just the sense that I get from people when they leave mm-hmm. a any kind of educational opportunity with you. So sp- speak to that a little bit, Carl. You know, people come to you thinking you're the guy that gives them the magic thing, and you say, oh, no, there's a much broader world out here. Just let me show it. Let me show you a glimpse of what can be. That's a that's a pivot and a shift. How, how do you approach that? It's complicated because... Um... A lot of people uh, invest in coming to a seminar because they're hoping to get that recipe. They're hoping to get the turnkey uh, program or progression or whatever. And I can't give you that. Honestly, I can't. It's, It's a completely individual process. But what I can give you is some hope. And I can also give you uh, some control and sense of uh, self-respect. And I can also show you how awesome you are 
in relationship to everyone else around you and how you can make other people feel awesome and how you get to create whatever you want and you don't have to succumb to a thing. But if that thing that you uh, want to get, like the muscle up, is your thing, is what keeps you up at night, it's what wakes you up in the morning, then let's get on it. Mm. But just know that when we arrive, there is more. Mm -hmm. And you never arrive. So whatever feeling you're hoping to feel, know that you can feel it right now. And if I can trick you into a certain movement progression that's going to make you feel that right now, I'm going to do that just to get you to understand what you already know. Mm. I, that, that's what people really uh, leave with. And that's what I continue to weave into anything that I teach. And I just use the muscle up as an excuse to talk about that. And that's, oh my gosh, like that is huge for our, our audience especially. It You know, typically I'll, I'll release an episode of this show and I'll get people email me or send me a Facebook message and – it's this sense of, you know, if I just get 10 more members in my gym, then I'll be happy. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you have to be happy. You have to be okay. Like, you have to be good first. And then the additional members or maybe no additional members are sort of that. It's like you said, muscle up is the thing that we is the excuse to have the conversation. And I think for the fitness entrepreneurs listening to this, you know, more followers, more members that's the excuse. There's something. There's something underneath there that needs to be mm -hmm. unlocked. Um, but I for sure, yeah. Engagement. Mm -hmm. I think that's the word. Engagement. And I was reminded of this last night. I was watching a friend of mine, Diane Sanfilippo, uh, author of The Practical Paleo. She was doing a a live Instagram feed, and uh, she said, "You know, I I block a lot of my followers, and I actually limit my following." because I want higher engagement. I want to know who I'm dealing with. And my job as the CEO of my company is to connect, to engage, to acknowledge. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. And it was just such a great reminder. I was like, fuck the numbers. I've never even uh, cared about the numbers in reality. It's always about the quality. And as soon as the numbers were there, like when I was making a lot of money before, I wasn't happy. I wasn't stoked. Mm. I was just uh, riding my own ego. Mm. and But I, it didn't feel meaningful. And I think that's the biggest thing. Engagement. Engage with what you have. Engage with the one, two customers you're working with. Engage with whatever finances you have. Engage. Like, engage. That's huge. I think that... Um... I think that's the title of this show, <laughs> Engage. That's a great, <laughs> a great lesson, Carl. I I like to leave our listeners with some practical things that they can mm -hmm. do, and just like this week in between episodes, go take action. I I'm a firm believer, Carl, that um, most people have adequate knowledge uh, that they maybe don't necessarily need to learn a ton of new things, but they actually need to act on and live the things that they do know. And um, so I, I want to hear from you. Our audience, I think, are people that have such positivity inside of them, such drive. And I think there's a genuine fear of like putting yourself out there. I think there's a fear of going live on Instagram. I think there's a fear of 
you know, recording a, a video for the members of their gym. And or I think there's just like a fear of like, I don't know if I want to put out this newsletter or blog post because people may I may misspell something or not communicate an idea clearly. So practically, Carl, as somebody who has put out an insane amount of high quality, awesome content, what are some tips that you have for our listeners on ripping that Band-Aid off and putting themselves out there? Mm-hmm. Get over yourself. <laughs> Just get over yourself. It's not. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, and I know that that sounds uh, aggressive, but it's true. And just know that you have a lot of people around you that love you, that care about you, and that are here to support you, whether you know it or not. There's always someone. And because of technology, all it requires is just reaching out. And it it will come through, maybe not immediately, but it will come through. And there's always someone there. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. That's the number one. I think the other thing is ask yourself for what. This is something my mom actually taught me. Uh, You know, Simon Sinek, he talks about the why, how, who, and all this stuff. And why is great, but it's so confusing. So confusing. It's ultimately for what. We are objective thinkers many times and we need a very defined purpose outcome so if you ask yourself for what right now whatever the first answer is go chase that Mm. if that didn't feel right ask yourself again for what and then you'll do it again and again and again and then the last thing i'll say is that if you just remember why you started for what you started you will know how to finish and 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 finishing is once again it's get over yourself mm-hmm. it's this is not about you your original intention was not to do something for yourself alone you're you're trying to build something bigger and whatever that is it needs to be uh something that you engage with beyond yourself so if you have to put out a video today put out a video don't look at it immediately if you don't dare to but put it out if you have to send a newsletter send a one-liner you know finish with i love you don't don't apologize don't apologize there's nothing to apologize for you are the one doing it and and take pride in that it's awesome i I like that i and i'm sure it will you know i'm guessing i'm going to go out on a limb and say from the very first video you ever put out there were probably a couple where you're like "Mm, not my best but I'll be better. Still today, they suck. I'm just like, oh my God, I can't even watch my videos. I'm serious. I have a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And But yet, your audience, your your tribe, your followers, like they love it. it without, you know what I mean? That's sort of a, an anchor point of their day is, is sort of sharing that life. And I think that that is kind of our big takeaway here is that there's people out there that Everybody has their person. You know what I mean? Everybody has that connection in them. And it's sort of, I feel it's our responsibility as entrepreneurs to put that out there. Put out, you know, cast your net and see who will connect with you. Mm -hmm. You know what? I've just thought of this right now. Uh, If uh, you're listening to this right now, you can reach out to me on Instagram. Just send me a direct message. The first three people that reach out with a little header, uh, that that you, saying that you were listening to me on this on this podcast, 
I am willing to get on the phone with you for 10 to 15 minutes and come up with an action plan so you can execute on whatever's holding you back right now. And uh, I'll support you there. How about that? Carl, that's a, a that's an amazing offer. A So, and if people aren't following you on Instagram. Yeah. And if they're not following me on Instagram, they can also get me on Facebook. on Facebook. They can get me on Twitter or they can come and uh, email me at carlpowley at mail.com. Beautiful. Carl, that is an that is an incredible offer. Certainly appreciate that. Listeners, take Carl up on that. Uh, so let's wrap up this way, Carl. What is next for you in a broad picture? And then I want to hear about upcoming seminar dates and, and how we can stay connected. Yeah. Uh, what's next? I'm, I'm writing uh, two more books. That's that's in, in the making right now. Um, it, it's really exciting. Uh, I'm also, I, I really want to make a movie. So I'm in the process of, of, of trying to do that, writing a script around, uh, some, some thoughts I have. And I, I have a great, uh, co-writer for that. Who's just awesome. I, I met him through social media, which is great. He happened to be in the CrossFit community as well. So really awesome. Uh, besides that, just more seminars, more speaking engagements, um, and just building a platform where people feel like they can come and talk to me and we can have a discussion and create cool things. And uh, one of the big projects I'm working on right now is Strike Movement, which is a footwear and apparel company. Uh, we're doing well and it's exciting. And uh, I think the product that we're making is something that is going to be valuable to many. And it already is and it's already making the impact. Um, so it's exciting. But through that, channel, I also want to make sure that I continue to help fund education everywhere. And I think that's my, my biggest goal is to make education accessible to everyone at all levels. And uh, that's that's really what's what's happening at this moment. So uh, I'm just doing the reps. I'm doing my seminars. I'm, I'm writing. I'm trying to get stuff out there, working on a product and other things. And um, yeah, trying to really bring everything full circle to to provide uh, insight and knowledge and understanding and education at all, all levels. I love it. Your, your focus on – this is what I really like about you. I've always enjoyed our conversations, Carl, because you have a focus on a core mission, and the things that you do with that core mission are so unique and different from one another, but it all kind of goes back to this sort of – essence this sort of central theme and that i think is a huge takeaway for our listeners that are entrepreneurs and business owners like you can do footwear and books and coaching and seminars but but it has to be around a sort of central hub and that's one thing that i've always really appreciated about you carl um so seminars uh what are some upcoming seminars and dates that you have in the works yeah, so depending on when this this uh, is airing right now, um, I, in August, if if this comes out before August, uh, on August nineteenth, I'm going to be in Austin with my friend Diane Fu teaching uh, a collaborate uh, a collaboration um, workshop seminar with uh, movement gymnastics and weightlifting. 
September is currently open, and uh, I, I'm just going to do a couple pop-up workshops here and there. So those are not announced yet, but those will be available on freestyleconnection.com slash seminars. In October, either in San Francisco or L.A., there will be another uh, collaborative effort uh, between uh, some of uh, some really coaches that I've worked with. But the biggest one is in November where I'm going to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I'm going to be in Sydney. Uh, on the 11th of November, I'm going to be in Melbourne on the 12th. I'm going to be in Gold Coast on the 14th and Brisbane on the 15th and Wellington, New Zealand on the 16th. I'm going to be in Auckland on the 18th and 19th of November. And that's a, a big one. And I actually think uh, a couple of those seminars are already sold out. So I'm trying to figure out how to uh, uh, pack in more and, and just get uh, to connect with more people out there. All right. Excellent. So the Kiwis and Aussies look out, that's going to be a big tour. So, um, Carl, I, I just really, I always appreciate your voice and your, your conversations. And I think that the stories that you share and the insight that you have provides a lot of focus for, for our audience, for gym owners, for entrepreneurs, for people really out there in the struggle and getting in their daily reps. So I, I really appreciate how forthright you are, um, how honest you are with your conversation, and and honestly just how candid you are with your process and what's going on with you. So uh, listeners, as a reminder, reach out to Carl, send him a message on Instagram, let him know you heard it here, and um, he will uh, very graciously uh, reach out to you and Whatever you're stuck on, Carl will help you uh, with that. So, Carl Powley, uh, find him, freestyleconnection.com. Check out those seminar dates. Carl, anything else that you want to leave us with, my man? You know, uh, enjoy life. Just uh, just enjoy what you have. It's it's uh, It may seem like a shit show right now. It may seem scary. It may seem uncomfortable. But just just enjoy it. Appreciate it. Do something about it. You're in control. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And if you can't figure that out, talk to someone, talk to your friends, your family, just reach out, uh, share your struggles, share whatever is worrying you and, and you'll feel better and, uh, you're not alone and go fucking get it. My man, Carl, have a great day. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of three, two, one, go podcast. As a reminder, if you want to join hundreds of other gym owners from all around the world in completing an online marketing course over the next three months in our hub platform, we will be teaching you all about marketing. What's even better is you'll be doing it with other people. You'll be inside of our 321 Go Think Tank. You have the ability to ask questions from experts in social media, paid advertising, content marketing, and marketing strategy. So hop on board with us as we teach you how to market your gym and get more leads in the door over the next three months. Your first seven days in the hub are free. If you want to cancel during those first seven days, by all means do so. But hop on board, 321goproject.com backslash hub.